10 to 1, episode 29. Top 10 Board Games 2016. podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Brian Kozer. I'm Melissa Kozer, and we welcome you all to our annual board game lists, where we decide which ones are going to make the cut and which ones won't. Today we have a very special guest co-starring with us. It's Jay Champagne. Jay, tell us about yourself. Uh, pleasure to be here. So, uh, Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, so, I started getting into uh hobby board games about five years ago maybe a little bit longer but um apparently i had this thing where when i decide to get into something i just go all the way into the deep end Mm -hmm. and so i've got a collection of nearly a hundred board games more if you count expansions and yeah so um for a long for a long time i was just the board game guy at our game shop and then uh, people like Brian and Melissa showed up along with our friend Joe. He was in uh, uh, Ohio right now. And uh, a few other people have just sort of uh, gotten into it and it's kind of taken off from there. So, Like listener Clint. Hello, Clint. Mm-hmm. And Wes. Not a listener. And Wes. Greg. <laughs> Greg, not a listener. Anyway. <laughs> you talk about me guilting people into listening. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think it's pretty similar for us, right? It was maybe three, four years ago we, we really started getting into uh, modern board games, realized there were games other than Risk and Monopoly. So we're talking about designer board games. Right. And I think we also have, I think we're right around 100, getting close to 100 as well. So yeah, both have a pretty, pretty good experience in the board game arena, I think. And if you're new to any of this, you're about to find out about some of these very unique special board games. So why don't you go ahead and hit us with your number 10, Brian? All right. So my number 10 is called Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Wow. I didn't realize you liked it that much. (laughs) I didn't either, actually. (laughs) Did the expansion push it over the top? Uh, I do like the expansion. but You guys have the expansion now? Just got it. (laughs) By the way, just got that. So Castle of Mad King Ludwig is a game where everybody is trying to build a castle by uh, collecting different room tiles and putting them on uh, into their castle, trying to connect them. And uh, there's all sorts of different crazy rooms you can build. And why I like this game... I I guess I really like building games. I really like to be able to look back at the end of the game and say, I built that. And uh, with castles, uh, you're building a castle, so that's cool. There's a lot of different uh, neat rooms you can build. You can build dungeons and uh, banquet halls and things like that. And uh, there's this interesting part of the game where you take turns setting the prices of the different rooms. And then uh, when it's your turn to set the prices, you also collect the... Uh, sales cost when someone buys a room. So you're trying to set things uh, to the prices where you think people will pay for them, because if it's too expensive, they won't want to buy it. But if it's too cheap, then you're not going to get very much money. And so there's that interesting back and forth. Um, 
There's also another similar game called Suburbia, where you're just building a city. Right. Castles is better. I, I'm i not sure which one I like better, to be honest. It's more fun. But I've only played Suburbia once. And per- it was a long time ago. So Personally, I like Suburbia a little bit better because it just feels a little bit more engine-y, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, I'm not sure if it's really a good thing to say that I really get into the theme and feel like a city planner when I'm yeah. doing that. That's that's probably not a good feeling. I don't know. <laughs> Depending on if you know any city planners, you know, that might disagree. But um, what I've, uh, you know, I do like uh, Castles a lot. I have not played it much. But uh, but yeah, it's it's got a good mix of engine building and this really cool... Uh, spatial reasoning aspect to it so good choice good choice thanks yep i uh i know this made my list last year mm-hmm. spoilers it did not make the All list right. this year Uh-oh. there are 10 games <laughs> that i like better perhaps more so my number 10 right. well that was my number 10 castles of mad king ludwig go yeah. ahead sorry about that okay my number 10 is a game called seasons and so in this game, you are trying to collect different elements. There's four seasons each year. So there's spring, summer, fall, winter. And during each season, you're trying to collect uh, elements to help you buy characters and abilities that will help you to win the game. And then you're playing cards against your opponents, uh, trying to harm them. And it's a pretty fun game. Um, I'm interested to play it with more players. We've been doing it just two-player for a while now. Mostly. And that's why it has dropped from my number four from last year to down to ten. But still a really good game. Still made my top ten. You know, one thing I really like about Seasons is just the incredible artwork in that game. I know. It's so visually stunning. Right. And it's not just the artwork. It's also got a good mix of colors. The iconography is clean and easy to see. Uh, you know, and it's got a good mix of... It's got some luck in there, but also uh, a, lo- a good level of interaction with other players. Mm-hmm. So that was a really good pick, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. A lot of the games that I like uh, have some luck to it, but they also involve a lot of strategy as well on your part. Mm-hmm. And then interaction with other players. So my right. number 10, Seasons. Okay, my number 10 um, has, you know, uh, quite a bit less luck because unlike uh, Melissa's, mine is pretty much the same every game when you start out. And uh, this is actually a sort of spiritual successor to another game (laughs) that Melissa and Brian quite uh, like quite a bit. And uh, my number 10 is actually Caverna. Aha. Uh, In Caverna, you play as a family of subsistence farming dwarves. And if that sounds weird, just wait. It it does get a little bit weirder in that uh, you're sort of judged on how well you can clear-cut your land and also excavate your own cavern. And uh, I guess your motivation is that you've got, you know, jerks for neighbors and you're just trying to one-up each other. But... um, the whole package really comes together in a very simple and clean way. Uh, you know, not a lot of variance at the beginning of the game, but your choices over the course of each game uh, really allow you to make a bunch of different strategies that are all pretty valid. Now, 
you know, unlike some other games where you are kind of scored on everything, you do have to sort of do everything. Yeah. So that turns some people off because uh, you've you've essentially got all of these plates spinning in the air and at all all the time. So. But it it's not as bad as Agricola, where you have to do a lot of everything. Uh, as opposed to Caverna, where you can maybe do a little bit of everything and then focus majorly, more. yeah, on one one thing. Right, and Agricola is the uh, the other game that I mentioned that this this is sort of a spiritual successor to. So there uh, there are a lot of cool combos that you can pull off to sort of build up an engine going for your family. Um, it's a little bit easier to find food for your family than in Agricola, which. Uh, that's right. In both of these games, you have to feed your family. I don't know. I still always feel like I'm scraping mm-hmm. each each game. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, you have to feed your family more, but they're they're a little more access to food. So, but uh, still, it's a, it's got a good tension to it. It's got a lot of uh, interact. It's got a lot of uh, not so much interaction, but um, combos and synergies going on and everything. And uh, the best part for me, at least, is that at the end of the game, you can look down and sort of see that you've built something. I guess Castles is pretty much the same way for you, but... Uh. Yeah. I'd say this is a lot more so than Castles, though. You really feel satisfied with what you built in Caverna. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. So. <laughs> okay, so my number 10 is Caverna. Good choice, good choice. And I just remembered... A few minutes ago, while you were talking, what it was that I wanted to ask before we started. So, real quick, do you guys think we'll have much crossover in our top ten games? I'm going to have a little bit of crossover with you, Brian, but I have no... I'm going to say very little to none with Jay for myself. Right. I'm kind of predicting that Brian and Melissa are going to have a little bit more crossover with their list than I did, because... um, Speaking personally, I kind of restricted myself to games that I actually own, and I know that that's sort of been kind of an intentional choice for at least both of us to, uh, for the most part anyway, uh, stay away from games that the other person owns, so that... uh, um, right, because you know you can you can play a game that another person owns for free without having to buy it. So exactly, why would yeah. you? Yeah, <laughs> but all the ones on my list and all the ones that I considered for this list are games that we own simply because since we own them, then we can play them more, and I can realize, oh yeah, I really like this game a lot. So <laughs> that as is true. To, yeah, if somebody else owns it, then I've only played it once or twice, and it's kind of hard to get a good feel for it. So okay. Uh, we own most of the games on my list, and, <laughs> and I pretty much agree with both of you. I think Melissa and I will have more crossover, but I think Jay and I will have at least a couple crossover. Okay, that's so good to hear. I, mean, so. I think we might have one three-way crossover, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. All right, so okay. my number nine. <laughs> Keeping the suspense up. My number nine is a party game. And... Oh. Yeah, I, I, I do like party games. They're never... I, I shouldn't say never my first choice, um, but if I was given the choice, if I was given my druthers, I'd pretty much always want to pick some sort of uh, more deep thinking strategy game. However, there are some times when you just want a laughing good time, 
And so my number nine is Balderdash. I love this game. Which is Balderdash. a game. Balderdash. Wow. No. Yeah. Go ahead. So, <laughs> a game where uh, you have uh, some, something that you're trying to uh, guess either uh, the definition of a word, uh, some strange, obscure word, or perhaps uh, some initials, uh, uh, some acronym that nobody's heard of, or some obscure person's name, or something like that. Or make up the plot to a random movie title. Right, or it's a movie title you have to come up with. So uh, basically you get one of those things, and then you're trying to be uh, creative and come up with something that's plausible as the uh, plot of that movie, or the definition of that word, or the uh, what that acronym stands for. And everyone's doing this at the same time. And then uh, you read them all out loud and try and figure out which one is the real definition or the real movie plot. And it's usually something really stupid. Yeah, it's usually something dumb. And so you're kind of encouraged to write something a little bit silly. And so the game ends up, uh, you're just getting uh, usually more and more zany. Uh, You're really rewarded for creativity. Um, Usually, at least the way that we play it, you end up... um, giving points to people that you know didn't you know uh, that's the wrong you know it's answer. the wrong answer but it just made you laugh so much and so some of the really um because of that some of the really memorable games that i've played have been of balderdash <laughs> and that's why it's my favorite party game this is this is really interesting because uh i have not played balderdash in quite a long time and to the point where i had actually forgotten a lot about it yeah uh, but now that you're describing it, it kind of sounds like almost a proto Cards Against Humanity in a way, where you know mm-hmm. the yeah. the real object of the game is to make the other person laugh. Now, for all the listeners out there, I just want to have on record that Cards Against Humanity is a horrible game and you should not play it. <laughs> you could say apples but... to apples. <laughs> apples to apples, yes. So that's that's the <laughs> clean version. Yeah. So right. Uh, uh, yeah, but I like uh, I think I like Balderdash better just because it lets you be creative. We should uh, we should play at the game store sometime. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. But, you know, there are a lot of great party games out there. And uh, I would actually not have picked this for your favorite. That's interesting, though. Yeah, so. I really had to think about it. And uh, I'll mention later at the end, um, in case any of these others show up on maybe Melissa's list. Um, but there's a couple others that I, I did really think about as being possibly my new favorite party game. But that's... Balderdash made my number 11. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. okay. It was close. Yeah. But yeah, party games are great, you know, because yep. I, I too, per- personally, I love the uh, the deeper, more heavy strategic games, uh, like Brian said. But the issue with that is there are just some people, especially if they're not, you know, sort of used to playing these heavier games, that if you bring them in, they will just be miserable. Right. So <laughs> uh, that's kind of a good spot for a party game where everybody can have a good time so Mm -hmm. yeah all right well that's my number nine balderdash that's balderdash (laughs) ho ho all right so my number nine is a game that came out not too long ago i guess and by that i mean within the last few years and it's called Euphoria, Build a Better Dystopia. Nice. Oh. So in this game, uh, the world has crashed and you have arisen 
as a world leader, you and some other the other players in the game, and you are uh, trying to decide whether you should take control of the dystopian society that remains in the aftermath of the of Armageddon or or whatever, and so. Uh, you're trying to gain control of society. You're trying to gain control of the the farming and the water supply and the electrical company and trying to exert your influence. And also you can decide uh, what's best for the people because you know what's best. And uh, it'll be a lot better for everybody if you get in charge than if somebody else does. Now, you might need to burn a book along the way. You might need to... Uh, give more work hours to your workers rather than letting them have some free time. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, it's for everyone's betterment if you're in charge. So that is my number nine, Euphoria. This is this is interesting. Now, like, uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, you know I've only played it twice, but Euphoria is actually not one of uh, my favorite games that you guys own, hmm. but uh, I don't know, just something about it kind of rubbed you along uh, the wrong way, which is weird because the theme is not only awesomely implemented, <laughs> but it is also hilarious. Right. So uh, maybe I, I just did a bad job explaining the rules. That no, time. I don't think that was oh. it. I think that, because you know there was something about it the second time too. Maybe I just didn't like. The kind of race element that there's is going on with uh, with trying to get those monuments and everything like that, but mm-hmm. uh, but no, this was you know even though it's maybe not my cup of tea, there's a lot to be enjoyed in this game. So I guess one of the things that I really like about it is that it is a very heavily strategized game, but ultimately. It's you have very simple decisions to make on your turn. You don't have to sit there and think, okay, what am I going to do on this turn? There's so many options. There's usually only one or two options for you to make. And uh, so that really makes the gameplay speed up. And uh, it's one of the few game, few heavy games uh, that I think works well with the more the merrier. The more players, the better it works. Yeah, you're talking about having sort of a complex heavy game but having really simple choices each turn i think stonemeyer games is really really good at doing that and euphoria is was my number 13 i really like it a lot not my favorite stonemeyer game though so oh, uh, we'll see a bit of foreshadowing there that's right so we'll see if uh <laughs> anything else shows up on my list from from them they're a really good company maybe maybe my favorite hmm. they're knocking it out of the park all right, my number nine, Euphoria. Okay, so my number nine is actually the first one on any of these lists that is um, a sort of part of this subgenre called deck building. Mm. Now, uh, some of you might uh, there might have out there might have dabbled in a game called Magic: The Gathering, where or Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or one of these games where everything is driven by this deck of cards that you build before you play. But uh, with these particular games, it's uh, building the deck of cards as you play. And that kind of creates a really interesting sort of tension. In this game, you're actually a galactic barbarian marching his way to the center of a galaxy that has become 
weak and feeble and must be crushed <laughs> beneath your heel. Uh, this game is actually called Core Worlds, and it's not for oh, everybody, wow. but because it is just it is mathy as hell. I'm I've got to got to point that out because uh, there are just tons of numbers flying everywhere. But the art is good. The theme is good. It's hmm. I I really enjoy it a lot when I get to play it. So. I haven't played it, so I have no comment. Mm, nope. Nope, we haven't played it. Okay, well, we'll have, so. to, I'll have to bring that one out for a little bit. It's yep. kind of weird, though, because uh, one of the problems with this game is that I found it's actually best with exactly three players. Hmm. So uh, maybe that's why I haven't really brought it out with you guys yet, because <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you come as a pair, so... But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the... Uh, uh, if any any more than three players, it can get ludicrously long. So, mm. okay. and that would also make it difficult for us to play too. Right, and if there's if there's one person who just freezes up and they have to make a difficult <laughs> decision, then that will uh, that that will only make things worse because there are a lot of difficult decisions to be mm. made in this game. So, okay, but that is my number nine, Core Worlds. Sounds interesting. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll check that out sometime. All right, my number eight, I wager, is on neither of your lists. In fact, the first time we played this, Melissa really didn't like it, and I really loved it. In <laughs> fact, it made my list last year. I know year. what it is. It was, I think, my number three or four game last year. We hadn't even played Ridiculous. a full game of it. I liked it that much. <laughs> Roll for the Galaxy. Roll for the Galaxy. my number eight. Yep. Now... Roll for the Galaxy, I grant you, is not a perfect game. Huh. There's things about it that are, that are, uh, well, okay, very few of these games on my list, what I say, are perfect games. Roll for the Galaxy, though, I really like as a, a game where you're uh, collecting dice, which represent uh, your spaceships, and they represent some other things, uh, like goods in the game, and you're uh, discovering new planets, and you're researching technologies, and you're... Uh, shipping goods for for money and for victory points and I describe it like that and the theme is really cool and the art is good and everything for some reason when I play it the I art was, is so so I think the art's good when I play it for some reason I just I just go into oh this is my yellow die instead of oh this is my yellow spaceship exactly and that's part of the problem with this game so yes the theme not is not much thin. flavor well, the theme is a little thin, I grant you. But I don't know. I just, okay, so I like Puerto Rico. I know you're not a big fan of Puerto Rico. But Puerto Rico in space with dice? Come on. It's awesome. <laughs> that just sounds so lame described that <laughs> no, way. Look, come on. Okay, <laughs> I have to I have to mention that, you know, this is another game that did not quite click for me. And yeah. I, Thank you, Jay. But I actually like Puerto Rico, so I, yeah. there's a little bit of a mystery there as to why uh, why this did not click for me more. I That's think it, I think it has to do maybe with the theme being so thin. Okay. And there's I mean, Puerto Rico, not exactly the most thematic game either. I know, I know, but I mean, but uh, at the same time, uh, maybe the maybe the thing was just that you know. Having to select those dice, you know, from under, from behind a screen, 
and you know just trusting that other people are not going to fudge their luck a little bit right <laughs> i mean uh which you know there's there's obviously a very easy fix to that and that is to not play with people who cheat but uh oh gotcha that kind of fudging <laughs> yeah but um but still, no. There, there's a lot to to like in the game. It's very puzzly. It's very, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of cerebral. But it, but you know, the theme itself, though, just is feels a little a little thin. I but. agree. I agree. But I don't know. When I play this game, I feel like there's so much below the surface. I feel like we've only just scratched the surface mm. of the strategies you can have in this game. So well, I'm glad we I'm glad we had this one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, now, the first time we played this was two player. And it's horrible as a two-player mm. game. Now, mm. it's a lot better, like loads better, at least three times as much better with four players. I th- Does it five. play more? Okay. So the more players, the better in this game. But one of the things that really got me at the beginning and that I still have a hard time getting past is the iconography is not intuitive. So. Disagree. You look at this little gear and it's supposed to tell you this means that, you know, such and such that you can maybe repair something. I don't know. Well, I mean, but the- it's just not it. Other games, it works <laughs> and you can look at that little gear and know, OK, that lets me do this. But not so in this game. And you have to keep on looking it up over and over. And their little help shield, their little helpful instructions on the back of your player shield are not helpful at all. Disagree. I, uh, well, I don't know. The, I will agree, kind of, that the iconography is not as intuitive as in some games. Uh, I do want to mention, though, the, iconog- the iconography, uh, or as some people call it, the hieroglyphics, just, <laughs> yes. uh, com- is carried over from another game called Race for the Galaxy that this right. is sort of a dice version of. Right. Uh, but yeah, that is the, uh, the biggest complaint people have about Race for the Galaxy it is that the iconography makes it impossible to teach. So mm-hmm. I kind of wonder, like, that was maybe a questionable dis- design decision to make the game purposely less accessible to people, but... The masses have spoken. He's not talking about Roll for the Galaxy right now. <laughs> you shut your mouth. Your you, choice you is bad. Your, <laughs> your choice is bad and you should feel bad. <laughs> anyway, Let's move on. That's my number okay. eight. And Baldur Dash to you guys. Roll for the Galaxy. It's a good game. All right. Well, my number eight is the first two-player game for any of us. And it's the first time I've ever had a two-player game make my top ten list. Hmm. So we've been doing these lists for three years now, Brian. This is the third year? Yep. And this one is called Corridor. What? Now you can play it two or four players. I cannot believe this uh, is... Yes. Wait, what? Did you say Corridor? Yep, it's spelled Q-U-O-R-I-D-O-R. Like like Quarriors and Quest for the Gladiator. Quali- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, okay. it's not the best name, but it is so fun. Okay, wow. so you and your opponent sit across from each other. You have a little pawn on this little board, and on your turn, you can make one of two decisions. You can either move your pawn forward, you're trying to get to the other side of the board, while they come across to your side, so it's kind of like Chinese checkers in that way, or you can set up a wall. 
This wall can be used to block your opponent. You can start making a little path that they have to follow. You can put walls on almost all sides of them. They have to have a path to get to your side of the board no matter what. And what makes it so interesting is that ultimately you really need to be careful where you put those walls because you are going to have to traverse that same space to get to their side. And so whatever path you create for them, you might have to go through that same tortuous path. And you, there are so many different strategies. And amidst all of that, it's only like a 15-minute game. What? Yeah. 15 minutes? Yep. And so <laughs> it's a, it's really fun, short Really deep strategy, but uh, still a very nice light game. And I don't feel like the person who has played it multiple times has too much of an advantage over a first-time player. Maybe a little bit, but after since it's such a short game, you'll play more than once. And uh, by the second or third game, the the new player is already an old pro. So, so many things to like about it. I can't wait to play it as a four-player game. Corridor. Now, like, I don't think I've even heard of this game. And right. uh, maybe that's just because it's a two-player game and I have not, or primarily a two-player game, and I just have not had a lot of good experiences with two-player games. Like, But, you know, mainly because I, I really like bigger social interaction. Mm-hmm. But uh, then again, you know, I... Uh, uh, I'm living the single life, so maybe that's that's part of it. But uh, right. uh, but no, this is it. Does sound really interesting. It's so fun. Uh, You'll have to check uh, it out. I mean, okay. Well, you hadn't heard of it because it's you know an abstract strategy game from I don't remember what publisher it is, but they don't have very many games. They're like a toy publisher, I think. Oh, okay. So this is not like from WizKids or Mm-mm. something. No, it's yeah. not WizKids. Marbles, um, I think maybe something is what like it's that. Um, it is a, it is ranked, I think, top five hundred in on BGG, something like that. So it's not it's not like it's a, a completely obscure obscure game. But and, and for those of you not knowing uh, oh, much yeah. about the Board Game Geek website, uh, the fact that he's saying uh, that it's in the top five hundred, like that's a, it, like that's an achievement, should give you some idea of how like how many board games there are out oh, there yeah. right now. So That's a good point. There is I don't know how many there are on there now. Maybe eighty thousand or something in yeah, the database. So so, so wow. yeah. Um but I mean it's good. Good abstract strategy game. Really simple. Plays quick, but I mean not in my top sixty even. Oh, I love I mean, this it's, game. It's really good, but I think I think this is a little bit cold of the new from you since we just got this in the last Could month. Be. Just got in the last month. We've only played it a few times. It is good, but I'm going to predict it's not going to be in your top 10 next year. Well, that's that's why you do it every year. So. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But it is fun. It could, it could be fun. in my top 20, though, wow, for next year. This is probably your favorite two-player game. That, that's, yeah. That's mind-boggling, though. Wow. It is my favorite two-player game because none of the others are, are two players. That's crazy. I don't even think this would make my top 10 two-player games list. Aw, bummer (laughs) it is good though i like it it just really hit the sweet spot for me all right my number eight corridor okay so my number eight is you know a little bit of a uh a departure in theme from uh from some of the games that we've you know talked about here uh in that the theme is just incredibly dry and boring you are a uh, you are actually a family of peasants working in a ye old medieval vi- time village where 
your greatest threat is dying of old age. <laughs> but wow. also your your greatest achievement many times is dying of old age. But yes, this game is <laughs> uh is called Village and uh it's I just really like the way the mechanisms just click together and uh how doing something in one area benefits you doing something in two other areas uh over and over again and you really have to think two steps ahead every time uh but also it's it's kind of funny how uh you're constantly like trying to kill off your family members at the best time so <laughs> but um yeah i don't i don't actually predict a lot of crossover with this one because I, I this is kind of like one of my pet games i guess mm. but uh I, I do like it a lot, and that is my number eight village. Well, and so. I've only played it once, so it didn't make this list. There is a bit of a learning curve, and there's a bit of a learning curve on a couple of my games. And so maybe if you're not, if you're only playing it occasionally or once in a while, uh, it's harder to see the appeal. But or maybe not a learning curve, but a, an acquired taste to it. Mm. But. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of games that have tried this medieval agriculture theme, and Village is one of the games that I feel does it the best. But Yeah, no, I really like Village, too. But it falls into that category, and I've made up a silly acronym for it, Girl Bopala, which stands <laughs> for Games I Really Like, But Only Played Once Long Ago. <laughs> and uh, so I can't... Th- this game, along with a few others that I'll mention, it as f- unless they... Uh, come up on your guys's list i'll mention them later but this is one of the ones that it could definitely be in my top 10 list but i've only played it once it was a couple years ago and so i can't uh, i can't say exactly how much i like this one so oh but if you like picking up cubes and placing them <laughs> down again this is a game for you but uh but yeah that is my number eight village good choice all right my number seven first crossover with melissa it's seasons oh so all the things you said, I agree with, uh, and also the things that Jay said, I agree with. Very, very <laughs> good art. Maybe my favorite art in any game. Uh, some of my favorite components in any game. Really nice, big, chunky, colored dice. And Love the dice. Yeah, the, the gameplay is a lot of fun. Instead of ever playing a game like Magic the Gathering, this is, this is my Magic the Gathering. Uh, I'm not yeah. really interested in building the deck so much, like beforehand. Um, just a... A game like this where I can find combos in my in my cards as I get them, uh, I really enjoy that. And uh, the this is a little bit lower than it was last year for both of us. It's uh, a lot lower for me. Yeah, for me it's just a few spots lower because uh, in this game I'm not as much a fan of the take that cards. There's some cards you can really mess the other player up with. And I live for those cards. I feel, gu- <laughs> I feel guilty playing those cards, and I hate it when someone else plays them. And so if there was a way that you could take out some of those cards and just, I guess at that point you'd basically be playing uh, like multiplayer solitaire. But He feels guilty, but he still plays them, awesome. and very often. <laughs> I do play them. Sometimes I make a strategy out of playing them, but... Yeah, that does that does just just a tad lower the game for me. But maybe maybe you feel bad about it, but the goal at the end of the day is to win. So exactly. Now, uh, I did not get to ask you guys this uh, okay. earlier, but when you uh, when you play seasons, do you actually play with the drafting variant? Yeah, usually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that I found that that is really the best way to play it. So yeah, well, we never do it just randomly. There's a few different ways you can do it, like drafting 
or uh, there's one where uh, what is it? You start with nine cards, so you can um, everybody gets eighteen cards, and you discard half of them, uh, huh. and that uh, makes it more strategic and less random. So yeah, definitely, definitely uh, that or drafting makes it better. Oh, uh, we we slipped into jargon territory again. Uh, for those not in the know, drafting is where you uh, you have a hand of cards, you pick one and pass the rest to the next person, and they pick one and back and forth and back and forth or around yep. the table. So good catch, Jay. Yeah, and that's so. my number seven seasons. Okay. All right, my number seven is a very social game so it's called sheriff of nottingham oh love this game so each turn each round uh one person takes the the role of the sheriff the corrupt sheriff of nottingham and they are uh choosing whether or not to let uh merchants and peasants and such come into the town with their bags of goods and everybody else is trying to either bring in uh, goods that are permitted by uh, by law or illegal goods. Legal or illegal. And so they might be trying to smuggle something into the bag, uh, smuggle it past the sheriff, and they might uh, try and pay the sheriff a little extra money or promise him some of the loot if he'll just let it pass by some of the goods. And it's so much fun because there's so much bluffing and wheeling and dealing. And it's so hard to read people uh, as to whether or not they're really just trying to set you up to take a fall or if they're really just a bad liar or what the case may be. And the game ultimately uh, ratchets up a notch if everybody speaks in a British accent. At oh, least attempts that, to. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so that is my number seven, Sheriff of Nottingham. See, I really like Sheriff of Nottingham also, but I am just so incredibly bad at it. <laughs> and I don't know whether I'm just really, really gullible, but... Um, or And, you know, the other thing is uh, this is one of those games where it works best, you know, you know, you can play it where you're telling the truth and everything, but it, it works best if everyone's just lying all the time. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you really have to get people in that mindset. But yeah, so you're so it's really like customs agent, the board game. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm not really good at the game either, but uh, this is a game where that doesn't diminish my enjoyment of it. That's interesting because I'm pretty good at the game. I usually <laughs> win. I don't think I've lost by more than like one or two coins the, the times that i have lost but for some re and i like the game i have fun when i'm playing it but for some reason it's one of those games that i would just i would never pick to play it, like i very <laughs> I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time ranking games outside my top 10 but this one's probably down around 100 i mean i like a lot of games better than this one yeah I, I i think you're just playing with people who are too honest that must be it i don't know maybe so, so. <laughs> but we need more friends who are liars. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> okay, my number seven, Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay, so for my number seven, uh, I just want to point out that, you know, as a as a board gamer, there there's this whole board game community and um one of the more prominent uh board game reviewers out there has a category of games that he really dislikes that he refers to as 
trading in the Mediterranean games. <laughs> and this particular game of mine actually falls exactly in that category. Ah, uh, I thought this might be in your top ten. Yeah, this this is a, a recent addition to my collection. Uh, it's been out for a while, but um, maybe it's just the, the horrible box art on the cover, but it just it flew under my radar for a long time. <laughs> uh, and that game is Concordia. So uh, in Concordia, you actually play as a merchant trader in the Mediterranean in mid, in uh, ancient Roman times, mm-hmm. uh, uh, establishing trade routes and setting up boats and uh, and trade merchants on these trade routes, uh, trading one type of good for another type of good and trying to come out ahead. Uh, and it's really interesting because everything you do will benefit your opponents in some way and you really have to kind of um, figure out what is the best possible way to eke out the smallest kind of advantage but at the same time it never really feels as cutthroat as it's actually being it feels kind of generous to other players but really you're yeah you're you're just stabbing in in the back every single time but uh <laughs> But yeah, I really like this a lot. So, yeah, I thought it it was a it was a good game. Uh, I know I, can, I, can I just liked it a feel lot your better. Enthusiasm there, just <laughs> I liked it a lot better than I thought I would like, and I told you so when when we played the game. But right, it, uh, it as is Brian is a, so uh, fond of saying, yeah. this would probably be close to one hundred. <laughs> uh, I think this is a really good choice. This is my number eighteen. I really oh, like okay, Concordia. good. We'll yeah. have to play it again because we've only so. played it the once. Okay, yeah, but yeah, we'll definitely have to play it again. But uh, I do think it benefits from multiple plays. Uh, hmm. It, but it, uh, yeah, has this really cool um, sort of action selection mm-hmm. mechanism where you've got these cards and you uh, you play the card down and you can't play it again until you play another card to pick up all your cards and uh, and everything like that. But it's it's got a lot going on. It uh, kind of might be a little overwhelming at first, and it's definitely not uh, not big in uh, wow factor when you look at it. But it's uh, it's a really solid game. I really like it a lot, and that's my number uh, seven, and that's Concordia. Excellent choice, Joy. Excellent Joy. <laughs> I have to cut that out. Excellent. Well, at least it's a. Uh, kind of a mirthful new nickname that I'm apparently going to have forever, so... You're known for your joy. Uh-huh. Excellent choice, Jay. Thank you. Excellent choice. And while I'm patting you on the back, let me just go ahead and cross over with you, because my number six, surprising probably to some, is Caverna. Oh. So... Yep. Okay. Yep, I really like Caverna. So you mentioned Agricola, and... I'll go ahead and say Agricola is not my top 10 anymore. What? I know. It was my number two last year. It was my number two the year before. And I still really like Agricola. It's probably my top 15. But we played Caverna at least once or twice with you this past year. Uh We played it a couple times with Melissa's brother, Michael. And then we went back and played Agricola. And maybe it was just because... We went from like three, four player Caverna and then went back to two player Agricola. But yeah, Agricola just seemed to seem to be missing something. Um, I still really like it. It's still one of my favorite games, but 
the uh, more varied number of choices you can have in Caverna, and then the way that you can specialize. Really, in Agricola, when I have a ton of wheat, and then I don't get very many points for that, that was really that was really the the determining factor. I think when that happened in this last game, I I had a bunch in one certain area and didn't get many points for it. And uh, I just was thinking the whole time, man, if I was in Caverna, I'd really be raking in the points right now. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I, I don't like it enough more to where I would sell Agricola and buy Caverna. But if you gave me the choice between the two, I think Caverna is a better game. Yeah, it's kind of spoiled me, too. I was just looking at my list, and Caverna is my 17. Agricola is my 27. <gasps> Which it used to be like my number three, three what? or four. It was used yeah. to be super wow. high. That's crazy. Oh, maybe it's just because they're both from the same designer and he's sort of refined his process over time, mm-hmm. maybe. But uh, Or maybe you guys just need to play Agricola All Creatures Big and Small, which I think is the two-player <laughs> specialized version of Agricola. Maybe but. so. It, it does work really well two-player, yeah, but, but maybe new cards will give it a fresh taste or the expansion. Maybe we'll. Oh yeah, there's the expansion coming out for Agricola. So yeah, new version of it. Uh, By the way, for those not in the know, an expansion for a board game is basically just a way to add more stuff to it, and yeah, extra cards, maybe more boards, things like that. But uh, you know, since since it doesn't sound like um, Agricola is going to appear on either one of your two lists, I do want to go ahead and say that um, that. One of the oddest experiences I've ever had playing board game happened during Agricola when I was ready to punch a good friend of mine in the nose because he baked bread when I wanted to bake bread. <laughs> and that is that probably sounds really weird out of context. but No, I completely understand, Jay. Agricola has, has been in danger of ruining our marriage many a time. <laughs> Now, the real question is, who can we convince to buy A Feast for Odin, which is another Ooh. version in the same kind mm. of type of games? Maybe Clint, if you're listening, or uh, we can get Wes or, or Greg or someone. I'm really curious about A Feast for Odin. Get a Feast for Odin. So. Which, by the way, to give you some more insight into our world, is a game about the awesome theme of setting a table. and <laughs> Setting a feast for Odin. Right. So. Yep, yep. But for me, number six, Caverna. All right. Well, my number six, we're leaving the mythical realm of dwarves and we're going to the real historical time period of the wild, wild west. Dice Town is oh, my number six. I think so it high. lands right about where it landed last year, too. And what I said last year, so high. it's such a fun game so we all like to rattle dice you know shake them around in our hands it's just fun to fidget around with them now rattle them in a cup you feel like uh you're kind of in a saloon or something and then you slam those dice down on the on the table and you check to see what you've got and you're trying to to get a full house or a, a five in a row uh or five of a kind and uh, you kind of feel like you're gambling as you you throw those dice around, and you're you doing these different uh, sets of 
uh, die characters so really, that you can... Really poker hands. Yeah, here, poker. So. That, thank you. I couldn't think of that. So that you can do these different actions on the board. You can go to the general store and get things that'll help you in the game. Or you can buy up property. Or you can uh, go to the gold mine and dig up gold. So many fun things in this game. I really feel that the flavor uh, shines through. You've, I always feel like I'm in the Wild West. Uh, and... It's such a fun game. It's pretty light. Uh, it's pretty easy to teach. And I've never seen anybody have a bad time playing this game. Very competitive. Very fun. I absolutely adore Dice Town. I really, really love it. Uh, it did not make my top ten list. But this this is like, if you have to play a game with non-gamers, this is one of the best. Uh, I actually, you know, I live on my own. But I... Uh, but my copy of Dice Town actually lives with my parents because this is <laughs> this is my mom's favorite game to play. Awesome. So I uh, and you know, of course you know we normally play with just my mom, my dad, and me, and uh, I usually end up winning because uh, <laughs> uh, my parents tend to um, steal each other's stuff at every opportunity <laughs> and just leave me alone. So hashtag married life. <laughs> right. Exactly. But. Uh, but this is just everything about it is great. The components are amazing. Uh, the The feel of it is fun and light. And you know, for all of that, for all that we talk about it being simple, there are actually some interesting choices to make, and uh, actually two different victory conditions, I think, or at least two different in-game conditions. Yep, right. and there's a bit of push your luck, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you might be trying to get the same set of a uh, poker hand that somebody else is trying for, so. And I, I just love that uh, that moment where um, somebody rolls a die and or rolls their makes their first roll and just keeps it, and everybody else... <laughs> panics right exactly so any game that can cause family members to literally panic is great in my book so <laughs> yeah yeah it's in my top 60 very good game <laughs> so apparently listeners you're picking up on the vibe that brian and i have very different tastes in board games we're pretty similar tastes in a bunch of things a bunch of our other top 10 lists but this is the great divide right here <laughs> no no we have very similar tastes it's just of the 100 or so games that we both really like i tend to gravitate towards the more complex games or the st more strategic games and you go a little bit lighter and maybe a little bit more um family I'm, I'm just going to play the peacemaker here and say that you two have complimentary tastes. Aw, yeah. shucks. So, uh, there's that. And, yeah, but, <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. Okay. All right, my number six, Dice Town. Okay, so my number six is, is another foray into the deck building genre. This time there is a board and your deck of cards represents a uh, company that you're managing. And as you're trying to keep your company efficient and lean, and uh, it's just fighting you every step of the way, and uh, it's actually a railroad company, and this game is Trains. So, uh, of all the games I have, you know, Trains is not on the top of my list, and the name doesn't help it. The name's not doing it any <laughs> no. favors, no. But uh, 
but it is just a blast. Out of all of my games, I would say I probably play this one the most. Wow. So, wow. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of variety. Every game looks and feels different. And at the same time, you can see what's happening on the board. So you're not just solely focusing on building your own engine, but you're also looking at what other people are doing and trying to prevent that. And, uh, again, everything just comes together in a really nice way. It, uh, it's not flashy. The board is, is just ugly. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> uh, but for all of that, the gameplay is just really fantastic in my eyes. I just, I absolutely love trains. So. I like it with the versions and expansions that you have, Jay. But Rising Sun, we gave away our oh copy. no, we donated it to charity. Actually, I I will say this: you you do have to play with the um with the Rising Sun expansion, particularly if you're thinking of playing it as a two player game, because the map that it comes with is just too big for two players. There's no interaction yeah. there. So yeah, yeah, not a good two player game. I think was um, maybe our final assessment. So right. Yeah. With but, the Rising Sun expansion, it comes with that two with two two player boards actually. Right. And of course the Rising Sun expansion can function as its own game. So I would I would definitely recommend people per- picking up that one first. Um but with the two games together, I it's just one of my favorite games absolutely. So Cool. All right, so that is my number 6 Trains. All right. Number five for me, continuing the heavy uh, strategic games. This is, uh, yes, this is the heaviest game on my list. Might be the heaviest. No, it probably won't be the heaviest game we talked about tonight. I think Jay will have a heavier one. But Dungeon Pets is my number five. <laughs> that is my 12. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, so in Dungeon Pets... You are raising these different monsters as pets. You're feeding them. You're cleaning up after them. And you're trying to win contests with them. You're going to be selling them to uh, people that are uh, dungeon lords. They're interested in having creatures in their dungeons, I suppose. And so the game is this really heavy... uh, You're trying to manage your pets, which are kind of unpredictable. You're trying to keep them in their cages and keep them happy... And you have uh, this uh, portion of the game where you're secretly choosing what actions you're going to do. Everyone's secretly choosing. And so you have to decide if uh, you want to go first. You have to commit more of your resources towards going first. But you don't know how many resources the other person is going to send. Um, And so there's uh, a lot of uh, thinking about what the other player is going to do. And yeah, the theme is amazing. It is. A Vladish bottle is very, very good with combining the theme with his with his mechanics. And so... Uh, for those... Uh, again, I just want to butt in here uh, for listeners there. Uh, Vladish bottle or Vladish Chavadl is, uh, is the designer of the game. Uh, Brian did not just have a stroke. That is, <laughs> uh, yes, he's a Czech, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so yep. yeah, and that's one of why the... it's my... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. 
All right. Well, I was going to say one of the fun things about it is there's a limited amount of resources for you to get off of the board to take back to your, your cavern where you're raising your pets. And you're fighting for those resources with everybody else. So you're right. really trying to decide if you want to get up and uh, go first. But then that means you might not get very many choices on where you go and stuff. So and very for, fun. For all the talk that Brian has about this being a heavy game, I do want to point out that this game has poop tokens. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's True. just something for... The, there's a lot of humor in this game. And, uh, uh, like, for instance, when uh, one of your pets uh, dies, there is inexplicably more meat in the market the next day. So, <laughs> but... Uh, or Sorry, they don't die. They go to the happy farm. And then uh, there happens to be meat. Right. Meat it's it's explicitly stated in the rules that they go to the happy farm. So. <laughs> or if one of your uh, pets tries to escape, you can send one of your little imps down to, uh, uh, you know, help to corral the animal back into its cage. But then that imp is going to have to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So very thematic, very thinky. Really like this game. My number five, Dungeon Pets. That's yeah, a great choice. Very good choice. Yeah. I did definitely consider it. Okay, my number five. I misspoke earlier when I said that we own all of the games on my list. Oh. Jay, you own this one. Oh, I think I know what this one is. And oh, I have I know, played I it at least four times. Yeah. It is Alchemists. Oh, that's not what I, I was Oh, what were you thinking, Ryan? I was thinking Scoville. Oh, I considered one too, that one. But, that yeah. one is, uh, that one's my number 19. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, so Alchemists. Uh, the name says it all. You're these uh, apprentices that are trying, I guess, or maybe master mages or whatever. And you're I just you're mixing. Your college professors. Okay, college so. professors, and you're mixing potions and just seeing what happens when you mix them. And then uh, you're testing these potions either on a student, <laughs> a willing student, or on yourself. And uh, depending on what happens, you could either have discovered uh, something great or you could have made yourself go insane. Uh, and it's really fun. I don't know. It's I think it's my heaviest game on the list. Uh, but there's something so exciting to me about finding out what each blending of ingredients creates and then trying to hypothesize and f create theories and write down those theories before everybody else writes them down. And then uh, you're trying to, you're hoping that other people will say, yes, I believe her theory is correct, because that'll give you more points. Uh, and it's just a really fun game. I, I would not have predicted I would be so in love with it. That's that's really good to hear. Ed, uh, I just want to go on the record as saying that the last time I played this game with Brian, he was solidly in the lead until we found out at the end <laughs> that he was a complete crackpot and did not know <laughs> all of his po his papers were false. So <laughs> that was very unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but no, this is a this is a great game. I love it a lot. So. Now, this is one of those games that definitely has, like you said, a learning curve. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, first time we played it, you were definitely in the lead the whole time. Uh, but I feel like each time we've played it, I've gotten a lot better. And this last game, I, I felt like I was able to give you a run for your money. That's interesting, because I think I'm getting worse at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
yeah, I'll take it. It's uh, this. It's it's definitely this is probably one of my most complicated games that I have. So which is it's interesting because a lot of Melissa's uh, choices have been a little bit light, uh, but this one is mm-hmm. definitely a heavier one. So this is but that's, that's kind of really interesting to see. It does. Uh, you can play it just by itself with a board game, but if you can, I would really recommend downloading an app that goes with it and that makes the yeah, game yeah. a lot easier oh, yeah, and yeah, more you, fun you, you have to use the app otherwise you've just got one person performing the functions of the app and yeah, that's no fun that's no that's not that's like i don't know if you guys have watched the show community and there's this guy who talks about uh uh about designing his own board game he calls the cones of dunshire and <laughs> he he like says and one person gets to be the ledger then what does he do? Well, he basically keeps score, and he gets to wear this hat. And <laughs> if uh, if you're playing it without the app, one person has to be the legerman. So yeah, so that's my number five, Alchemists. Okay, love yeah, it. That's a fine game, and it's in my top of sixty, maybe. Uh, I think my main thing with that one was it wasn't quite what I expected. I was expecting a little bit less of a heavy euro game and more of a deduction game. And the deduction is really a sideshow, and I was wanting that to be kind of the main attraction. I feel I like there's agree. a lot of deduction. Right. I think the deduction is the biggest part. It's, it's just that, uh, but, you know, it the deduction is of a nature that you can ignore it, but you will suffer for ignoring it. So. Well, no, I definitely agree. You have to do deduction to win the game and to play the game, but I would say there's more deduction in Clue, for example, than in alchemist blasphemy <laughs> so i'm not saying i like clue better i like alchemists better but it, you know there there is it can take a little bit of uh, of the back burner at times but uh i think that especially as you play it more you really uh feel like that deduction element is front and center well and i like that it's not all about deduction there is other stuff that you can uh do in this game but let's move on and find out your number five. Okay. Mine was Alchemists. So my number five is a game that I believe just came out this past year. Uh, it's actually a sort of a re-implementation of an older game. And this game is Pandemic Legacy. Mm. So mm-hmm. now I we played this with uh, with Brian and Melissa and it and uh, one and two of our other friends. And uh, it's it's really a four person game, but uh, Brian and Melissa <laughs> cooperated. So, but uh, in this game, everybody is working together to save the world from viruses. But every single thing that happens in the game will affect the game for the rest of time. Like this is a game with continuity, like a serial drama, and with all the twists and turns you would expect in that TV genre. So. Yeah, so you're writing on the board, you're putting down stickers, exactly. you're ripping up things. It is it is not for the faint of heart, and you have to really go into it with the expectation that this game will be destroyed after you played it <laughs> a certain number of times, but while you're in the middle of that ride, it is a wild and crazy ride, and has probably led to more of my uh, favorite game experiences uh, nice. that, you know compared to to most of my other games here maybe any of my other games mm. but um you know it it would have scored higher maybe if not for the fact that if I want to play this I really have to find some people who are going to commit to the full 
uh, 12 yeah. to 24 games. And I'll, that's that's just not a reality in my playgroup. But mm-hmm. still, number five, that's pretty high up there. And I love Pandemic Legacy a lot. Hmm. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, it didn't make my top 20 or 30. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. And I can't quite put my finger on what it was, but it was fun. And uh, I guess mo- I guess it's the fact that most of it is kind of blurring together in my mind, except for a few mo- a few games where something happened, and like we all just erupted at what had just happened. <laughs> so, right. This is if we've been kind of vague. This is a game with actual spoilers in it. So. Uh, we are, you know, <laughs> can't tell you too much about it, but trust us. This is, this is it is one. a good game, and you should check it out. Yeah, I'd say if you haven't played Pandemic, then you should probably first check out Pandemic. But if you've played Pandemic, and you know you like it, and you can get two or three other people to play several games of Pandemic with you, then definitely check out Pandemic Legacy. I think part of the problem for me was I was, uh, well, I'd just given birth to Lydia. Mm-hmm. And so I was still in a real big fog like, uh, have you heard of Baby Brain? Yeah, I had that. I've not heard of Baby Brain. I had that so. massively. It's where uh, you you just basically can't think. And so uh, as the game kept on getting more and more complex and more rules were added, everything just kept on going right over my head. And, you know, I, I don't know if you hmm. remember, but I was always asking, now what does this do and can I do this? And uh, uh, I think that was part of it is just at the time – mentally i could not handle the game for the most part but i could handle the storyline and it's a good storyline so that is my number five pandemic legacy awesome nice all right number four for me i promised you a stonemeyer game and i like euphoria that was one melissa mentioned earlier i liked scythe a lot scythe is probably like my number 12 but i can't Uh put it higher because we've only played it once I can't in good conscience put it in, into my top 10, but it might be my favorite Stonemeyer game if I got the chance to play it a few more times. But for number four, I put Viticulture. Viticulture. Wow. Currently my favorite Stonemeyer game and one of my favorite uh, favorite worker placement games. Uh, maybe my favorite worker placement game at this point. It was love at first play on this one. Yeah, we played it twice now. We got to play it with Clint, and then, or I got to play it with Clint, and then we got to play it with Clint and Alex, uh, Clint's girlfriend. You've met Alex? And, yeah, she exists! She is real. <laughs> believe it or not. And so, yeah, it's... We might be bluffing. It's so easy to get started with. Like, it's really simple. Like, all of his games, pretty simple decisions each turn, but it builds to something that you sit back and, and look at what all is going on and uh, just seeing all the gears turning in this big machine. Uh, it's really, really a great game. Uh, you are a grape farmer. Is that what they're called? A, <laughs> a vintner. A vintner. There we go. And you, you're growing grapes. You're crushing them, making them into wine and then selling them. That's basically all you're doing. But Uh, There's just so many good things in here. Uh, The cards feel really powerful that you can get in the game. Uh, The way that you have your grapes age and your wine also ages. So you can uh, do something in an early turn. You can make some wine and then uh, age your wine for a few turns and then sell it for more money than it previously was worth. Things like that I really, really like. And yeah, 
Stonemeyer games are amazing. I I've liked all three of them that I've played. I'm going to barely give the the edge to uh Viticulture. To Viticulture. Okay. Since I've played it twice <laughs> and I played Scythe it. once. Um, but this is definitely one I want to play more. Definitely want to play his other games some more. That's that's my number four. I have not gotten a chance to try this one, but I am really looking forward to it next time Clint brings it by. Yep. So. I think you'd really like it, Jay. I thought it was good. Okay. But it didn't make my top thirty. Uh oh. Oh ho. Okay, my number four is Risk Star Wars. Now What? <laughs> yeah. Another wow. two player game actually. <laughs> I, I man, I, I keep forgetting this is just two players. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe I have two two-player games on my top ten list. So, for those of you who are listening, this is not like Risk the Board Game, where you are uh, going for world domination. This is its own separate game. This is Star Wars Episode Six in a board game. So, you have this big board that looks like a TIE fighter, and on one side, you've got the crew that's trying to disable the shield generator. On the other side, you've got the epic battle between Luke and Darth Vader. And in the middle, you've got this epic space battle between the Millennium Falcon and the Rebels against the uh, Destroyer... <laughs> Imperial Star Destroyer? Yeah, the Imperial Star Destroyer <laughs> and a bunch of TIE fighters and the Death Star itself. So one person plays the Rebels and the other person plays the Empire. And throughout the whole game, you are torn trying to decide, okay, should I advance the party up to uh, take down the shield generator? Or uh, if you're the Empire, should I try and block the the party that's taking down the shield generator? Or should I help Luke fight Darth Vader or vice versa? Or should I uh, work on the battle out in space? And so you've, you're pulled in three directions trying to decide and it feels so epic and there's this tension running throughout the whole game and each game has been really close. You never... For the most part, you're never sure which side is really going to win. And sometimes it has... This last time, I think it came down to a roll of the dice. Uh, it's very exciting, very intense. Risk Star Wars. Just out of curiosity, have you guys gotten to play Star Wars Rebellion yet? No, not yet. Okay, I, <laughs> just wondering. It would be interesting to get you to play that one, which sort of uh, tries to recreate all three Star Wars games Uh in a setting, and it'd be interesting just to see you play that game and get your comparison to Star Wars Risk. But yeah, now Star Wars Rebellion looks really good. We might have to check that one out sometime. It's another two-player game. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that you put Star Wars Risk aside. This is this is definitely in your wheelhouse. Really thematic, family weight. I'd say. Not, very, yeah, it's very easy to learn. Yeah, quick playing. And you don't have, I mean, you're trying to decide between the three fronts, but ultimately there's not much uh, decision making that you have to do. So while there's skill and strategizing, ultimately there's not too many decisions to make. And I, I like that. Okay. Yeah. It's in my like top 35. It's, it's good. 
Okay. It's a good one. You'll have to check it out sometime, Jay. It must be right. really good if it's not, a, you know, if it's lower than 60. <laughs> <laughs> My number four, Risk Star Wars. Okay, so my number four is another crossover uh, on the list, and this is actually a crossover with Melissa, mm. and that is Alchemist. <laughs> I just, I, I, it's one of my favorite games. Wow. Uh, you know, when I was in college, I loved logic, and this is very much a logic puzzle uh, with the deduction and everything, but it's also got a lot of humor. Uh, in many ways, it is just one huge <laughs> yep. send-up of academia and the different, uh, um, let's let's call them uh, ethically problematic things that might go on in an academic setting. We have uh, we have <laughs> money buying popularity. We have uh, uh, exploitation of students, and we have uh, publishing theories on you know scanty uh, scanty yeah guesswork, but. Uh, you know, for all that, it's it's just it's a lot of fun, uh, even if it is a little bit on the heavier side. So, I approve this choice. Jay. <laughs> Almost called you Joy there. Oh, I'm glad you didn't. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, again, that's my number four. That is Alchemist. All right, all right. Well, not as much, not as much reduction as Clue, but okay. Oh, <laughs> <get it on. laughs> all right. So, my number three. And we're getting good now. Mm-hmm. My number three. Mine's is... been good the whole time. Anyway, sorry. My number three is Time Stories. Ooh! Wow! Which this you still low. you still haven't played, Jay? I know I still have not played you it. You have but... got to play this game, Jay. Yes, yeah, so let me talk about it. You can talk about it when it's on your list. Okay, so unless <laughs> it's your number three, it's not. All right. Okay. Well, so t- Time Stories. You are a time traveler. You're going back in time uh, to fix something. You're, I guess, some sort of uh, time agent or like a policeman kind of trying to fix something in the timeline. And so basically that's an excuse to uh, become another character in another time, almost like in a role-playing game where you might go back to 1992 Colorado or you might go back to ancient Egypt or you might go forward in the future to this uh planet that has dragons and wizards and dwarves and elves and so uh, there's that sort of storytelling aspect of it where you're a different character and you're uh, going through different locations Uh, there's really beautiful art in the different uh different modules that you have i'm gonna say this is the best art i've ever seen it's, wow. it's good art. It's high and, uh, basically, uh, the way it works is you'll have a panorama on the back of a few different cards. So you'll go into, say, an inn, and there will be four cards that you lay out, and they'll paint a picture, and you'll see the card on the far left has a man in the shadows, and the next card over has the innkeeper at the, at the back of the, uh, or at the bar, and then the third one is some people playing a dice game. And so uh, you'll visit those different locations, and you, when you do that, you'll flip the card over, and there will be some little story-type thing that you'll read, and then usually some sort of actions that you're doing. And in each one, there's mysteries that you have to solve. Some of them are um, heavy mystery. Uh, you're really heavy solving riddles and mysteries, and some of them are a little bit less mysteries, and there's more action, and you're rolling dice, and... It's a really fun time. Uh, just the experiences that we've had with this game, uh, being creeped out 
in some of the one of the really creepy ones and uh you know arguing with people on the team which location we're going to go to what should we do next right right so uh yeah really fun time not a perfect game uh, the rule book is atrocious oh if you can get taught by someone who's already played it definitely do that or or some sort of <laughs> online tutorial or something like that uh, m- maybe a youtube video teaching you the game that's going to be much preferable to teaching yourself uh terrible rules uh uh in the book i mean terrible rule book and a little bit fiddly uh some of the things take some getting used to and they kind of take you out of the story a little bit when you're trying to think okay do i lose time a time token in this area when i do this action or is it only when i do this certain action so that can take you out of it but for those flaws still my number three amazing experience and one that I'm looking forward to continuing as they come out with more modules. Right, Which they're... we've had a module for ages now, since last August. We still haven't played it. And there are two more coming out this year, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Oh. So, yep. So. I, I just want to say I've heard a lot about this game. All of it good, which is really odd considering that everything about this game should not work. Uh, if you're... Yeah. If, I mean, Time travel in a board so game. It's a narrative game. It's a... It's... This is... Kind of an expense. This is a pricier game compared to True. you know some of the some of the lighter things, and it's a game that you can play exactly once, and then you have to wait three months for the expansion for the next scenario to come out. But True. Uh, I guess that's just kind of a, a testament to how well these scenarios are designed and so how well. how engaging the narrative is that it, that you know it's worth it to do that. So now, right now, there are enough scenarios out there that you know you don't have that you can. Um, play a different one every week for a while and not be bored. But th- th- like I said, this is just an interesting phenomenon that I really am looking forward to getting uh, to be a part of when I when I get to play your game. So. Yeah, we'll have to run it through guys <laughs> yeah. This and right, I can't so. wait to watch you guys play it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's don't want to be so fun. It, but I think you'll enjoy it. I don't okay. think we can overhype it. Hopefully not. All right. Moving on from that, my number three is a game that has been uh, my number three since last year, I believe. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was. So, it's called Shadows Over Camelot. It is cooperative. (laughs) Everybody is working together to try to beat the game. And, okay, so first of all, the theme of this game is awesome. You're all knights of the round table. One of you can be King Arthur if you want. And then there's like Sir Kay and uh, some others. Sir Galahad, Sir Tristan. And you're going out on quests. You're fighting the Saxons and the Picts. You're trying to rescue the Holy Grail and Excalibur from being lost to time. And you're fighting off a dragon, you're fighting the Black Knight. And then in the meantime, also, there are siege engines that are coming up against Camelot. There's bad things that are happening just as, you know, each turn you have to flip over the deck of evil, a card from the deck of evil, and and something terrible will happen. Everybody loses a life point or something. And then on top of that, there is the possibility... That one of you is a traitor. Someone Mm. in your group is secretly not helping you guys out like he says he is. And I love that. I love that there's a chance for trickery and deception. 
And it could be all of you are good guys. Uh, but you don't know that. Unless I'm playing. I'm, I'm always the traitor. So. <laughs> all right. So, you know, I, uh, I do like uh, Shadows of, of Over Camelot, and I especially like the hidden traitor mechanism because, you know, often there's a traitor, and that's that's awful. And sometimes there's not a traitor, and that's worse because you're, com- you're, accusing, you're accusing each other of being yeah. traitors the whole time. Um, so the, it's a really great game. It's not overly complicated. It's not, you know overly heavy or or dark or anything like that it's just a good time uh i will say that maybe for me dead of winter has kind of eclipsed the yep. yeah no nah, zombies don't hold a candle to arthurian legend maybe not maybe not in terms of of theme but i, I just feel that a lot of what goes on in dead of winter does Dead of Winter does a really good job of everything that Shadows Over Camelot does, but still there's something to be said for that original there. Shadows Over Camelot did, did it first, and it's got that theme going for it, so this is this is a really good choice, I feel. Yeah, so, so and really good artwork, good uh, components. There's these really nice little miniatures, and I guess it's just always going to hold a special place in my heart because... This is one of the first games that we played when we were really starting to get into the board gaming uh, hobby. And we played it with some really good friends and had some wonderful moments where we finally, on the time where it really mattered, we found who the traitor was. Or other times where nobody figured out that I was the traitor. (laughs) And... uh, they were all, you know, we're holding on by a thread, and it gets down to my turn, and Melissa, you gotta save us all, and then I just turn around and kill them all right there, and it was nice. absolutely beautiful. So some really great, <laughs> wonderful times playing this game. My number three, Shadows Over Camelot. That's a good game, but I totally agree with you, Jay. Dead of Winter definitely has replaced this one. Well, boo humph. <laughs> Okay, so my number three here is a new game that just came out this year, and it uh, is another Stonemaier game. Uh, it was briefly re- mentioned here, and that game is Scythe. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, initially there was just so much hype about this game that I was a little disappointed when I first played it. <laughs> but um, the more I've played it, the more I've like gotten into the mechanics of it. Everything. This is this is a game that has definitely grown on me, and that's good because I paid a lot of money for it. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is no, this is this is a good game. It's very solidly designed. Uh, has a lot of different mechanics working together, and uh, and everything runs smoothly. The turns are very short, uh, but uh, and. There's a lot going on, but it never feels too overwhelming. Uh, but, oh, I haven't even said what this game is about yet, have I? <laughs> no, okay, so in Scythe, it takes place in sort of an alternate history post-World War One era where there's this sort of cold war between different factions over Nikola Tesla's factory that fueled the war. And we're all trying to gain control over this small piece of territory. Uh, by essentially making shows of strength, which it took me forever to realize that's what those stars actually represent, is 
is just shows of strength and uh and also popularity and everything like that uh and so it's an alternate history post-world war one game where i it also has giant mechs in it (laughs) so i don't think i mentioned that which is kind of weird because that's like the selling point but this yeah it's got this uh very cool aesthetic where you've got this agricultural uh you know, peasant community juxtaposed with these giant, you know, diesel-powered mechs marching around. The artwork, the artwork, excuse me, is just phenomenal. Oh yeah. So, uh, if uh, Melissa's got her doubts, but <laughs> um, if you uh, if you go online and look up Jacob Rosalski's artwork, this game was actually like heavily based on that artwork and it features that artwork a lot mm-hmm. so. no it is good artwork don't get me yeah. wrong there's just other artworks that i like better i understand i yeah. understand. I, I might take back what i said about seasons this might be my favorite four game artwork wow it's amazing artwork it, it is really good artwork and also uh one thing that's not immediately obvious is that this is probably the most bling outable game you can have mm-hmm. if, if that's a word because and jay got the bling oh yeah uh the basic game, the components are great. You know, you have little wooden resources and uh, and some plastic miniatures and everything like that. Everything's good. But then you can start adding things like different sets of promo cards and metal coins and wooden bits to replace the cardboard bits and a board extender to make it huge and a case insert, a box insert that has little moving gears in it and... <laughs> Uh, painted wooden uh, workers there, and yeah, and a, a lot of this stuff I, I have spent money on because that's the sort of person that I am. But uh, I am gonna give you credit for this. Like, uh, now I only played the game once, and uh, I was having an off night, so I was ha- feeling foggy and not having a hard time grasping how everything worked together. Uh, but I see why you like lighter games. <sighs> Secrets out, everyone. I just passed my days in a fog. I I just want to point out to the people listening that Melissa and Brian have positioned themselves between me and the door. (laughs) So, (laughs) But as I was saying, uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed just playing with all the pieces in this game. Because instead of just little gray cubes to represent oil, you had little actual barrels of oil. Not li- actual liquid oil, but no, but, little, but like yeah. little barrels, and then uh, instead of just yellow cubes for gold or whatever, you had actual metal blocks right. of gold, and it was just <laughs> so gorgeous to play with. So I will give you that. Yeah, and like I said, none of this stuff comes with the base game, but all of it can be upgraded to the nth degree. You can just. You can uh, sink a lot of money into making this game look like something that is just out of this world. But uh, but like I said, the, I really like the game itself and the mechanics of it and everything. It's just a game that has grown on me over time uh, with repeated plays, and I like it a lot in that side. So. Excellent. Excellent. Very good game. As is my number two, and I know <laughs> Jay will agree with me because it's Pandemic Legacy. Oh, now we talked. We we kind of talked a little bit about uh, can you how how do you rank a game that you can only play once? And this came up a little bit with time stories as well. I was trying to think. I can only play each time stories module once. 
uh, Pandemic Legacy, we can only really play once. You could play it again, but the surprises are going to be spoiled. Right. Um, it's never going to be the same as the first time you play it. So how do you rank a game like Time Stories or Pandemic Legacy? And I decided in future years, they might not be in my top 10, but for this year, after playing them in the past year for the first time, uh, or Pandemic Legacy was really at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, it... It absolutely has to go into my top 10. And yeah, just what you were saying, Jay, about the experiences we had. So many moments, so many memorable moments that we had. Uh, so many uh, things that happened with our characters. So many things that happened in the world as we were playing. And yeah, uh, that was... So uh, you were talking about Scythe being disappointed with. I was super, super hyped on Pandemic Legacy just from hearing about the the title of the game, Pandemic Legacy, I was super hyped. This is the first game that we pre-ordered, uh, and uh, we you know played it as soon as we could. And the first couple games, we lost. But then after that, we started winning, and it was fairly mm-hmm. easy. And I started to think, man, this is this is a good game, but overhyped. You know, uh, it's number one on Board Game Geek. This this isn't really a number one game of all time. And uh, just the, as we continue to play it, just the things that happen in the story, the things that happen with um, adjusting the game as uh, sometimes it'll get easier, sometimes it'll get harder. And yeah, an amazing experience. And at least for now, my number two game of all time. I really liked how I would see. actually you know, go home at night and be thinking about, oh, well, what? <laughs> What are we going to do next time? I think we should use this person. I think we should do this, this, this. And then we get new rules. And none of what I had uh, strategized out on my own was really applicable anymore. <laughs> yeah, but, That's true. But uh, but no, this is, is an excellent game. Totally worthy of number two spot. So. All right. Brian, I want you to yes. take a deep breath. <gasps> no. Let it out slowly. No. No! Calm yourself. I can't believe it's happening. My number two is Cosmic Encounter. (laughs) No! It has been dethroned, at least for this year. Long time reigning champ of the number one position. But it's my number two. I love this game a lot. So this is the game that first got... Brian and I started in gaming. Brian happened to uh, see an ad for it by chance online, and so then we went and checked it out on Amazon, and it was an impulse buy. We read the description and decided right then and there we just had to have it. We thought about it for maybe a minute and then ordered it. And uh, so it's a game where everybody is a different alien race, And you're all trying to gain domination of the entire galaxy. So you're trying to land your ships on other people's planets. You're attacking them. You're uh, uh, inviting other people to join in your attacks on the the poor, innocent person that you're attacking. And they're inviting people to help them defend. And so... These alliances are continually being made and broken. There's a lot of backstabbing and and bluffing. Mm -hmm. Uh, My favorite aliens are the ones that you can bluff with 
And each alien has a special ability or two that lets it break the rules in some way. And there's all sorts of cards that you can play that just completely alter the game. No game is ever predictable. You can think you are solidly in the lead or in last, and then all of a sudden things will completely reverse. And when she says there are aliens, we're talking like hundreds of different yes. different sets of powers. Here. All right, and you talked about blinging out a game. Uh, you can't really bling out this game, but there are a lot of expansions, and Brian and I have gotten a lot of them. Most of them, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are so many different things you can add to this game. Uh, I love, love the artwork. Uh, it's beautiful. And there is different... Uh, each character, each alien power is so distinct and each one is fun. I, I always love when I get a, a chance to play a new alien and just see how this is going to change the game. Each game is so different, and we have formed so many memories. Uh, so many times where the whole table has just erupted over something that happened. Uh, this is my number two. I just want to briefly share my favorite memory with this game because this is this is a fantastic game. This is a game that is on that is at the top of a lot of people's lists here. Yeah. But uh, but my favorite game was actually with a friend of ours named Joe, right. uh, and he brought his wife along. Right. Now there is there, <laughs> I think of this one often okay, too. There there's a mechanism in the game where you know when you're invading a planet, you play a card face down. And, you know, if it's a number card, you compare the number is higher and the higher number wins. If it's a truce card, you automatically lose unless the other player has also played a truce card, in which case it's better for both of you. But like I said, if just one person plays a truce card, it's an automatic loss for that person. So uh, Joe decided to invade his wife's territory and a discussion broke out (laughs) and uh there was much debating and after a long time they both decided that they were going to play a truce card and just make it equitable and everything like that and they flipped over their cards and neither one of them had played a truce card so i was completely convinced right that both of them were telling the truth because they were they were looking straight at each other and just and and they were both they were both trying to stab each other in the back it was great so yeah glorious yep the sad postscript is joe wiggins hates this game (laughs) really no yeah, he really doesn't like this game at all. Oh, he's so it. great at it. Yeah, but I mean, he plays games like Ark right now that are that are basically, <laughs> you know, less interesting looking spreadsheets. So, <laughs> Joe, if you're out there, we're praying for your soul. Uh huh. <laughs> but uh, but no, this is a great game and definitely one that needs to be at the top of the list here. So. Now, I I do have to say this used to be my number 1 and this whole time I really have been fighting, debating internally, struggling, should this still be my number 1? Hmm. Uh and even up till right before I said it, I was still kind of deciding. I think it do- for now it is my number 2, but I mean it's it's just barely not number one. It'll be really interesting to see what your number one is then. My so. number two, Cosmic Encounter. Okay. So my number two here is uh, 
is a game that I don't think Melissa and Brian have played too much, but uh, it's a game that's kind of old and uh, Monopoly. Not that old, <laughs> but but uh, you know, if anyone out there is familiar with uh, the Kickstarter format. Uh, that's how a lot of games get published now, and this was actually the first modern board game to really uh, show that Kickstarter could be a good way to get really interesting board games published. Wow! And this game is Alien Frontiers. Yeah, wow! I didn't so, like it that much. No, yes, I, I just I love Alien Frontiers. Now, uh, the thing about Alien Frontiers is you're rolling dice each turn and sort of plugging these dice into different like orbiting facilities around this alien planet uh, to try to get control of the planet. And depending on which die faces up depends on how much, how good a reward you get. And, uh, but at the same time, there are all these different cards that can sort of mitigate your luck by adding one to the value on the die or flipping the die upside down. And um, this is also probably the meanest game that I own because (laughs) there is a lot, there are a lot of ways to just, uh, completely turn things on their head and they co- and steal things from your opponents and there comes a point in the game where you cannot get a point without taking a point from somebody else <laughs> so it's is just a blast it's incredibly mean uh meaner than you would think uh based on the way it looks and everything but uh, uh alien frontier is just a lot of fun gotta check it out my number two have I only played this once yeah yeah. I don't remember too much from it. It was so long ago. I know you loved it, Brian. Yeah, this one was on my top 10 list a couple years ago, but we haven't played it since then, so I can't. It's another one of those games I can't rank as high just because I don't uh, don't know how I would rank it against others. But yeah, really I, good game. I need to kind of bring it out again. I think uh, yeah. this one might have sort of suffered some um, expansion fatigue uh, where yeah, yeah. we've there have been a few expansions for it that have kind of increased <laughs> the complexity for it. I'm not sure how that uh, has, I'm not sure that that's affected the game in an entirely positive way, but yeah. the, uh, the just the base game is an incredible experience. I love it a lot, and that's Alien Frontiers. So That's, that's a really good game. You definitely bring that one out again. Mm-hmm. Alright. We've been waiting for it. On to the number ones. And I, I think I know what both of yours are. Really? So, I do, actually. <laughs> uh, you told me once, unless okay. you've changed in the last couple, in the last year or two. But I don't think I have. So. My number one, Melissa already mentioned it, Cosmic Encounter. So yeah, it definitely has the nostalgia for bringing the game that brought us into the world of modern board games. But on top of that, and on top of the things that Melissa was saying, there's just... Uh, so many things I like about this game. There's the card play in the game, where at the beginning of the game you get this hand of cards, and sometimes it's an amazing hand of cards, and part of your strategy is going to be not letting everyone know what an amazing hand you have, and trying to dole it out uh, as you go and try and save your cards for later instead of using them all at once. Or you might start the game with a terrible hand. You might have no attacks and all negotiates, and... You're just going to have to make that work somehow. You're going to have to negotiate with people or find a way to get more cards. And a lot of times, you can make it work really well. Yeah, and so just uh, that hand management where you're bluffing and trying to decide which cards to use when, I love that. 
uh, on top of the other things you were saying, and with what Jay was saying about it being such a memorable game, I think probably even more than Pandemic Legacy and even more than Time Stories, this is the most memorable game I've ever played. I can still vividly remember so many things from that game you were talking about, Jay. <laughs> I remember you sitting to my right and Wes sitting to my left. I remember you were in last place, but it was coming around to you and it was looking like you might be able to make a shot at, at uh, pulling it off all really in one turn. Um, or mm-hmm. pulling up at least uh, to being even with us because we were all tied with, I think, four, all one away from victory. And, uh, yeah, of course, Joe lying to Heather's face was amazing. <laughs> and, yeah, just uh, I can remember the game we played of this at Dice Tower Convention mm-hmm. and uh, just so many good memories with this game, so much fun that we've had. Uh, it's possible it won't be my number one forever, but... For now, it's my number one. I don't see it changing anytime soon. Cosmic Encounter. Really good choice. Yeah, good choice. All right. My number one. Brian knows what it is. He's already mentioned it. It's our second crossover. Wow. It's Time Stories. Oh, wow. Time Stories. I, I am I, in love. I cannot believe I have still not played this game that has dethroned Cosmic <laughs> Encounters for you. Okay. Everything that has already been said and more. So, I love a really good story, and that's what each and every one of these scenarios so far has been, is a really good story. And yes, you can only play it once, but I remember every single facet, every single part of each of those stories. Uh, so you talked about uh, Pandemic Legacy, going home and obsessing over what we should have done or, or, or not done. I did that with the time stories and I obsessed replayed over and over everything <laughs> that we did or didn't do or could have done there. And in each of each scenario, there've been a couple things that we didn't do except for maybe the first scenario. I think we did everything. Right. Uh, and there to, to this day, there's a couple of those things that I'm like, what was it? <laughs> if we had just gone and talked to this person, what would have happened? And, uh, I can never predict what's going to happen so far. Each storyline has been so different. There's been things that have super creeped me out. There's been adrenaline rushes. Uh, sometimes you, you enter a room and there's this panorama that plays out before you and er- you, the reactions from everybody as they see what's coming up, what's in store <laughs> for them. And, and some of us are like, well, I'm going to go over to this card because it looks like I won't lose much health over here. You can take, you can go to this place that looks like it's going to be a lot of trouble. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, boy, I can't, I don't want to give out spoilers, but this third episode, especially the Prophecy of Dragons, I felt really amped up, uh, everything. So the first, first scenario, I thought it's hard to follow this act. And then the second one was good, but then the third one, oh my goodness, my favorite scenario yet. <sighs> I, I just don't have enough praise uh, about this game. I've just, I've one. got to try this game. Yes. So. All right. Time so. stories. Okay, so now we're up to my number one. And this, is, this has been my favorite game for quite a while. And it's, in fact, the first game that actually got me into the board game hobby. Oh. 
Aww. Yeah, so... And, and I know, and that makes no sense at all, because this is, like, the most complicated game that you could possibly imagine. Uh, and, in fact, the point where I actually... I don't think I've even played it this year, because it is so long to play. We've had games where we... Uh, where we've actually played it until the sun came up. <laughs> Not intentionally, Uh, but uh, this game is Mage Knight, and it's... Oh, okay. It's not the one I was thinking. Okay. All right. No, this is is Mage Knight, the board game, and uh, it's sort of based on the world that a miniature game came out uh, for a long time ago, but, uh, but in Mage Knight, the board game, you are this just stupid strong <laughs> wizard warrior guy and which I, I now that I say that out loud that's kind of another way of saying mage knight but uh <laughs> but yeah you're you're wandering around uh this this fantasy world um exploring things killing monsters and being a jerk uh just being an all-around jerk most of the time not gonna lie burning down monasteries sacking castles uh and it, but there's exploration there's this neat puzzly aspect where you, everything's driven by this deck of cards you have and every de- every card can be played no lie seven different ways um wow. <laughs> you know sometimes a game is described as a brain burner in our hobby and this is a brain destroyer. I have seen people like melt under the pressure of trying to find the most efficient way to just walk across a strip of land where nothing is happening. But uh, but for all that, there is just so much going on. This is a fantasy world in a box. And especially with that first expansion that came out for it, uh, The Lost Legion, I think, it just added so much to the game. Uh, that was already full of so much stuff. So uh, that is my favorite game of all time, and that is Mage Knight, the board game. Wow. So, Wow, yeah. Yeah, we had seen reviews for it, and it looked like it might be too complicated for us. Oh, it's definitely too complicated for anyone. <laughs> this is... <laughs> but, but yeah, we should... Uh, maybe sometime we can make make a special day of it and, and bring this game out and... I would like that. Like we did with yeah. uh, Twilight it, Imperium. If oh, yeah. I'm going to be part of this, then it's, we're going to have to... It's still not as long as Twilight Imperium. I mean... Well, that's good. So... <laughs> if I'm part of this, we'll have to get a babysitter. Uh-huh. <laughs> I already know I'm not going to be able to juggle Lydia and play ga- play this game. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. We'll see. Well, if you listeners couldn't tell from our almost two-hour-long podcast, we all love board games. Love right. to talk about them. So, Did you guys have any, and by any I mean like one or two honorable mentions? Uh, let me see. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. So, uh, I want to give a shout out to a couple of games that actually did not uh, did not even get discussed here. Let me go ahead and bring them up here. Uh, one of them is definitely um, Catacombs, which is actually... Uh, we need to play that with you. Right. This is... An incredibly silly game. Uh, imagine Dungeons and Dragons, but instead of you know 
being this mathy, complicated thing. You're just, you're flicking your character across the board. Does this one have the gelatinous cube? This has the gelatinous okay. cube that is actually a block of wood <laughs> with stickers on it. And it is just crazy fun where your barbarian might uh, go careening into a wall for no reason and then get shot <laughs> by an archer. <laughs> like this, by your own archer on your team. This is that kind of game and it is crazy fun. Uh, very silly, very lighthearted. Uh, it originally came out with just this uh, sort of uh, dark and depressing artwork, but has since come out with a, a new edition that really give, has a sillier, lighthearted tone and gives you a better idea of what the game's about. And the other game that I want to mention is a party game called Cash and Guns. Oh, yeah. Which, That's a good one. if you've ever seen like any gangster movie or or western movie or anything like that, well, this is really a gangster movie where uh, everybody plays a group of criminals after a heist, trying to divide up the loot. And the way they're dividing the loot is by pointing guns at each other and seeing who blinks. <laughs> and it is just incredibly silly. It comes with these foam rubber guns that so you point fun. at each other. And it's it's just crazy fun time that actually works with a pretty large group of people too. So yeah, we've gotten some of our friends into gaming through this game. Right, yeah. it's a great game. So, uh, so those are my two honorable mentions there. Oh yeah, Melissa. Okay, so there were two that I really like a lot. And I really want to see if they would make my top 10 list for next year. But I've only played them once. And they are Mission Red Planet mm -hmm. and Lords of Zidit. And since I've mm. only played them once, I can't really describe them too well. But I remember that I really liked them. And I do want to play them again. I, I do want to point out Lords of Zidit is one of Joe's games. But every time they mention that they've only played a game once, Melissa and Brian both look at me. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, with acute accusation in their eyes, but <laughs> does it show? Uh -huh. Not for this one, I guess. <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, a couple more honorable mentions. Brian mentioned Balderdash. That was my eleven. Dungeon Pets was by twelve. Two that I want to highlight: Vault Wars is a really fun one. It's my thirteen. So you're uh, trying to. It's kind of like. That TV show, what is it, Storage Wars? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're auctioning off, but people don't know what's in the vault. Maybe they've gotten one little peek, and it might be junk, and you're trying to uh, pass everything in their office junk so that nobody will really pay money for it, and you can get it. But actually, it's all something really wonderful. Or you, you could just have shown them the one actual valuable piece that's in there, and the rest is junk. And you're hoping people will pay a high price for all this junk. Right. And then my number 14, Captain Sonar. So you oh, have, you. yep, I I had a hard time trying to decide whether or not to put it on this list. So it's two <laughs> teams uh, playing against each other, two teams of four ideally. And they're each piloting a submarine and uh, navigating the waters, trying to figure out where the other submarine is so that they can blow it up. And it's Tough to get to super table, thematic. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get to the table, but uh, we actually got to play several uh, several games of it with Brian's family over Christmas. Oh, that's nice. Oh, so. yeah. We played it like four times straight, <laughs> and uh, it really shot up, in my opinion, just from that. Cool. So, my honorable mentions. 
Awesome. I'll run through my 11 through 20 real quick. So <laughs> It's going to be faster than either of you, I guarantee. 11, Agricola. 12, Scythe. 13, Euphoria. 14, Mission Red Planet, like you mentioned. I have to play that one again. 15, Ticket to Ride. I really like Ticket to Ride. And playing some more versions of it this last year has uh, kept it up there for me. 16, Time's Up. Title Recall. Uh-huh. That is a really fun game, and I really thought about that one. That's a really good party game. 17, Bring Your Own Book. I actually thought about putting this instead of uh, Balderdash. Yeah. It doesn't let you be as creative as Balderdash, but it's a little bit easier to play because you're going through a book to come up with the funny things to apply to the different uh, different categories. So right. if that one works really well. Well, and if you're somebody that doesn't feel they're as creative, then this is the game for you. <laughs> right, right. It lets you, it's a little bit easier to be creative, I guess. Uh, 18 Concordia, 19 Dead of Winter, 20 Matainai. I like Matainai. Matainai. I've not even heard of Matainai. Okay. So it's a Carl Chudik, real complex two player. It's a, I guess it's a filler game, but it's maybe the heaviest filler game I've ever played. Wow. So we, we'll have to, I'll have to take it to the game store sometime. I'll yeah. Yeah. You. I want to try this game. Definitely so. have to try that one. I like it a lot. <laughs> Melissa's not as keen, so don't get to play it too often, but. That's a good one. So that does it for me for honorable mentions. All right. I think that pretty much wraps up this list. Is there anything else we want to say? No, I think we're good here. I think the only other thing I forgot to mention was, so we played 50 odd games uh, last year that we, in 2016, that we'd never played before. And for all that, only one of them made my top 10, and that was Viticulture. Yeah, but you're a snob, so I mean. Well. (laughs) But no, these... with that many new games, I expected there'd be a little bit more churn. But two of them made my list. Yeah, well, you know, so many games actually have to be played multiple times before they really reveal themselves. True, you know. So, but uh, but yeah, though this is this is a great time to be enjoying the board gaming hobby. Uh, there's so many games out here. I I just you know made a list of all the different games that came out last year that I have not gotten a chance to play and. It's it's that I want to play, and this list is is longer than my top ten list. Maybe one and a half times as long, so maybe wow. fifteen wow. games here. And these are just the ones I haven't played. So there's it's a great time to be in the hobby. It's the golden age, right? All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. If you're still listening, <laughs> uh, I'm sure they paused it and came back to it and. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a countdown, so there's there's that element of suspense, right? So, <laughs> All right, so let us know what board games you really like to play, or if there's any that you think we should try out. You can email us, co- uh, tto at coser.us, or go to our website and leave a comment, tto.coser.us slash 29. Or come by and play with us. I mean, that'd be great, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, if you're, if you're in the area... Definitely come swing by and play a game with us. Our next episode is going to be our top 10 animated movies with another special guest. So tune in next week for that episode. Until then, I'm Brian Kozer. I'm Melissa Kozer. Jay Champagne. And you've been listening to 10 to 1. And for those of you that are still listening, we're talking about games that are coming out this year that we're really excited to try. Or 
or that came out in 2016 that we didn't get a chance to try. So Santorini is a game, uh, it's an abstract game for two players where you're building up the island of Santorini, but you're like the children of Greek gods, and you're climbing all over this beautiful, like, three-dimensional cityscape as you build it up, and it's it's just really, really interesting just to look at. I'd say one of the ones that I'm most interested in is Mansions of Madness, second edition. I wasn't super impressed with uh, what I saw of the first one. I haven't played it. But from what I've seen of the second edition, uh, it looks super exciting. Basically, you're exploring this mansion and monsters are popping out at you and you're trying to escape and solve puzzles and it looks really exciting. And I'll just mention one that's coming out in 2017. Charterstone is coming out from Stonemaier Games. Oh, yeah. That's that's their legacy game, right? Legacy city building Stonemaier. Wow. I'm going to drop the mic right there. <laughs> that game could be really, really amazing. I sure hope it is. For, for the record, he did not actually drop the mic. No, these, these mics cost a lot of money. Uh-huh. <laughs> 